Captain, emergency message from HQ. What do they want? Celestial being is on its way. Is that so? They're coming here. Notify all units! Everyone take action according to Sumeragi's combat forecast. I'm expecting to see a decent performance from you guys. Decent's okay. I think I would prefer to be thorough. Suit yourself. Hey, you listening, Setsuna? Answer me! Setsuna! Setsuna! Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. Short end of the stick. I'm Tyler. (laughs) Sucks to be me. My name is Zach. But I'm still trapped here. My name is Kevin. Yeah, I have Kevin on for one more episode and then the pact is fulfilled and he can go (laughs) back to the demon realm. Is that what you call uh, Jumpstart Weekly? No, that's what I call Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. (laughs) We are here to watch episode two of Gundam Double O, Gundam Meisters. It's got some Gundam Meisters in it. Does it, though? Yes. I mean, yeah, because Gundam Pilots needed a name other than Gundam Pilots, right? Like a specific one? Is the bald guy from Germany. I'm sorry, Neo-Prussia. Bald? What bald guy? <laughs> the, He's talking the, the about Schoenberg. Yeah, that guy. In the ascot? I don't remember. Mostly because I can't think of another reason to use the word Meister. I think it's just one of those things that's a popular word to use in, J- in uh, Japanese. Well, I think they were just like Gundam, and then they used every possible noun after it until they got one they liked. <laughs> what did you think of this episode, Kevin? I liked the half of the episode <laughs> that like actually was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> fair. The half of the episode that wasn't just exposition. I mean, like some of the exposition was actually kind of nice, like... Because I feel like the map exposition didn't actually take that long, but it was a very concise, here's the map, here's what's important, let's go. Yeah, it's very after Colony 195 or year 70 of the Cosmic Era, though it's way better than the Gundam Wing one, I think, which just feels like it takes forever, it's, and it delivers more information. Well, and also the problem with the Gundam Wing one is I hear it like eight times, I, and that's assuming it doesn't come back for some stupid reason. Uh, they love telling you about it and then showing Hiro Yui killing a pacifist. It's their <laughs> <Yes>. favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, I actually agree. I think the exposition is delivered much better here than it was last week, since we're actually given concrete information. Mm-hmm. And I think episode two is the time to do it, as opposed to episode one. I almost wish episode one had less of it and leaned more into it here. I kind of agree. Like, if stuff had just happened in episode one, and then we got this like explanation of, oh, by the way, here's a quick overview of how the world works. I think would have actually been more effective for me. I actually I say that a lot in a bunch of different media is essentially you start off with a cold open of stuff happening and then you're like, all right, now let me give you some background information because it's usually much cooler to hook someone with, hey, that was pretty interesting. What's going on there? Oh, this is what's going on there. Well, you you present them with a bunch of questions and then later on you start backfilling in order to give those questions context. Yeah. Um, I actually think it works better in the second episode here as well. My like, lack of 
setting information isn't my issue with the first episode. But I think it works here where you just like, all right, so here's now context for this the series of what's going on. Yeah, to transition off of that, I think this is a not a terrible episode too. I think the information we get is actually very critical to get here, and I think that's very good. But I do agree with Zach of I think this exacerbates a lot of the problems of episode one of I still don't know what any of these characters want. Celestial beings' motives are a mystery, and that's kind of interesting, but it makes it hard to hook in with them. And we don't really have a good point of view character. Because we still have all those side characters, and we still don't know what any of them have anything to do with the rest of this, or what they want, or, you know, can actually have any kind of effect on the series. I also feel like we get a ton of information about the three major, like, political powers, but they feel homogenous to me. Like, they're all the same thing, just with different names. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism, especially at this point. You think that's supposed to be intentional? Maybe. I could definitely see an argument for that. Especially, we cut to the leaders of each um, union at the beginning of this episode, and they definitely seem to be different, but effectively that's the same scene three times. Yeah. So we are watching episode two, Gundam Meisters. You can watch along on Crunchyroll if you would like to. As we said, we start out with exposition. Talking about the depletion of Earth's fossil fuels, and now they use solar power. Yeah, so this is how we can tell it's an idealistic world and completely unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) But they needed so much solar power, they built space towers. Well, I mean, if they're if we're completely out of fossil fuels, (laughs) we got to figure something out. Well, like, and it is three hundred years later. Here's also the thing that makes absolutely no sense. So I'm assuming these are solar collectors that we're showing the the bronze discs things. You know, sure, you've got these fifty thousand kilometers above the Earth. That's a ton of energy loss as it transfers down that 50,000 kilometer cable. Well, look how many of them they have. That's why they have so many. That's what the problem with the AEU was. They're really bad at efficiently. Like the Union and the Human Reform League (laughs) figured out how to get no energy loss, but the AEU didn't. I was going to say the other thing, I think they're also implied to be space elevators, so they have like a dual purpose in being a space elevator. No, they, they do call them space elevators. So like, I'm not saying it's pointless to have this. I'm just saying... I mean, you know, it is the future, but, like, this is the problem with solar or wind power nowadays. Like, wind power, nobody wants giant turbines next to their city, so they say, oh, put them over there in that back corner that nobody uses. And then they're like, all right, cool, well, like, most of the power is going to get lost transferring it over to the city. Weirdly, not a problem with coal plants, just, like, I I feel like coal plants right next to your city are way more of a problem than wind turbines right next to your city. Yeah, but, but... everybody's used to having coal plants right next to the city. <laughs> and also, you need less coal plant than you would need wind turbines. Yeah, that's the, that's the big thing. Is it's not There's not actually a problem having the wind turbines next to your city. It's that the cities do not want a giant wind turbine farm next to their city. They're like, that's ugly. I mean, the coal plant was here before I was born. There's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. But that is, you know, that wind turbine farm is not going anywhere near here. Let's build three space elevators <laughs> and put them in someone else's backyard. So apparently it took them a half a century in order to build the uh, whole system. Yep. We see the Earth now has like a ring around it to which the elevators are attached. Say, so, honestly, surprisingly fast. Must have been desperate. Look, yeah, for space elevators. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening 250 years in the future. It took them 50 years. So we find out that in order to build these three structures, the world has basically formed into three mega blocks. So apparently one of these is built in Africa, one is built in South America, and one is built in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Well, I mean, they're all on the equator, and I'm guessing they're equidistant from one another. 
Doesn't look like it the way the map is presented right there, though. No, but it did on the other... Yeah, if you just pan slightly to the left. <laughs> so the first block is the Union, which consists of America, Japan, and some other countries no one cares about. They're, they're, the Americas and Japan. Yeah. Why is Japan in the Union? I mean, sure, fine, but because of their problems with China, obviously. Yeah, but, it's like it doesn't well, make any sense. they didn't want to pick another fight with America, <laughs> even fictionally. Yeah, honestly, the blocks don't make a whole lot of sense, like, geographically. The Human Reform League actually does make some sense geographically because it's... It's the Asias and Russia, which actually makes a lot of sense. Is Australia part of one of the blocks? It, nope. No. It, it would be part of this one. It's just on it, but it's just kind of on its own. I, I was going to say, Australia actually has its own space <laughs> elevator, but it's like populated with kangaroos and giant spiders and no one wants to go there. Well, they, after they lost the third uh, Dodo War. <laughs> third Emu War. Third <laughs> Emu War. <laughs> no one is entirely sure how the Emus got mobile suits, but they did. <laughs> And the Advanced European Union, the AEU. <laughs> Which is just the EU plus Greenland. Well, look, look, Great Britain left the EU, but they never left the AEU, so they just <laughs> changed the name to make them stay. And apparently they enlisted Greenland. They didn't get Iceland, I noticed. <laughs> Iceland is isolated. It's not part of that. Isolate, Iceland just lives off the tourist economy. <laughs> Also, the I assume the tower for the AEU is built in the cent center of Africa. Africa is not part of any of these blocks, despite hosting one of the towers. It's a comment on imperialism? <laughs> I that is built on the smallest fucking island you could have possibly found in that chain. It used to be I, bigger, but global warming. No, I almost guarantee they built that island to put the tower there and not the other way around. Yeah, that actually makes Especially if that's the one that's just in the middle of the Pacific. Yeah, it, if they're it, like, I, it needs to be here, on What else would it be, Tyler? The other two are on specific continents. South America got a lot wetter. That's actually the Amazon we're looking at right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we hear that defense of the orbital elevators is very difficult, given their size and how structurally sound they aren't, which makes <laughs> sense. Because they're space elevators, you know, I, like... Man, would it suck for one of those things to get hit with a hurricane? Yeah, I was going to say a cruise missile. I suppose mutually assured destruction is the reason that doesn't happen, but we will find out that the particles the Gundams emit uh, behave very similarly to Mimnoski particles from the original Gundam, which is the reason that you couldn't have long-range weapons in that. It's just fried radar and such, just to hand wave all that so that you had to get in close to justify it. But we find out that this is all new to this world and no one knows what they are. So it seems like one cruise missile could make everyone's day very bad. Yeah, but I do think it's a situation of uh, mutually assured destruction is one of the main reasons why nobody actually attacks the space elevators. Yeah, but well, if terrorists can get mobile suits. It turns out very few people actually want to lose a third of the world's energy production. But they weren't actually Wouldn't it attacking... be 100% because aren't they all chained together? I don't are know they, how that I, works. Yeah, I don't know if they Wasn't, are. Well, the, you said there was that giant ring in that picture. Yes, there thought, is. Yeah, so I thought if they're all linked together, if you knock down one of the towers with how big it is, it will take out the other two. That's quite possible. Even from a construction point of view, they're extremely fragile. Yeah, they're big fucking spires. But anyway, humans suck, so they're still 1984-ing anyway. Even in the 24th century, humanity sucks. It's almost as if our entire history has been killing each other. But now they're celestial being. They don't have a flag. They have a desktop background. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Gundams. They sure are cool. Buy all our playsets and toys. 
I like how in that recap for the virtue popping up and vaporizing a dude, they make sure to get a shot of the Gundam thing. Like it's, you know, it's a branding <laughs> deal. Buy all our playsets and toys, Zach. Which well, it's like wasn't you're gonna head its over... branding thing? Because wasn't the virtues one on the black part of it? No, it's on the it, They showed it, it was on the white part of it. Yeah, it's on like the one of the white bits on the front. It's on the head, but. No, but I thought the virtues, because doesn't they zoom in on one of the pictures of the i thought it was the virtue and it was the one that was on the black i thought it was on the, maybe i'm wrong i thought it was on i think the white. it's on the white know. i remember at one point there's one that's on the black and like somebody zooms in and was like gundam what the hell is that so which gundam do we think has a tramp stamp <laughs> <laughs> uh have you seen the curios yet <laughs> no. I, I i think i know but i don't want to say due to spoilers <laughs> All right, so the episode starts, and we're back in Japan, where every news station is just showing on their giant TVs and, the and letter a, from Celestial Being. And it's afternoon, so this has been playing for like several eight hours. hours. Yeah, several hours at least. So Blondie stops and, is, and hangs a hat on the fact that they're still playing it. To be fair, Blondie being the girl. Yes. Not, not not the guy we were well, calling Blondie all last episode. Yeah, but yeah. now like he, I said, he's we, Graham Aker now. This is Blondie because I actually don't know her fucking name. Luis, I have flashcards. <laughs> <laughs> also, we, we're about to get it like right okay, now. Okay, <laughs> so every time one of us says something for a character's name that we don't remember, Jeremy has to correct us and say, I have flashcards. Yes. I have to make more flashcards because this series has so many characters. I did reach the point where I was like, a third of the way through, and was like, this is enough for the first episode. I will not learn names if I add any more. And I also need to do them for mobile suits. And so uh, her boyfriend is like, do you think they really exist? And she, she's <laughs> like, huh? I love the way the, the voice actress delivered that line in Japanese. Huh? <laughs> and he's like, you know, people who will do something that's not for their self-interest. And she's like, they're probably really amazing volunteers. Did they I mention I'm blonde? All kinds of uh, soup kitchens and whatnot. And he just walks off, and she says his name, Saji, and is like, hey, wait. I do kind of get the feeling that she was uh, actually just trying to be funny more than... Yeah, yeah, me too. So cut to the president, I'm assuming, of the Human Reform League. I think he's the chairman, is what they call him. Yeah, because they're China, right? Yeah. Yeah, so chairman makes sense. Slash Russia. Well, yes. it said uh, chairman's office. Yeah, so, it yep. did. Anyway, they said they have Gundams. Please watch. And look, I think this is the scene that... Kevin was thinking about. Yep. Oh, it's on the block. Kevin's right. Huh. I thought it was I thought it so said it on I. a different one. So did I. Cut to the AEU Capitol. Which basically has the same thing but different footage. Well, they are watching how the Exia fucked up the Enact and made fools of them. In their kick ass boardroom. And like, ah, can we assume they're trying to hinder our weapon development? And woman is like, No, they also showed everybody that we have more military than is allowed by the treaty. So now everyone's asking us to disclose information like a responsible government. Ugh. I mean, to be fair to... You no know, uh, government would just disclose information. That goes against everything they stand for. Like, if you have a bunch of illegal armed forces stationed in the tower, why would you deploy them? Like, let's be honest here. The reason why I can see why they would deploy them is if they thought the Axio was actually going to attack the tower. Yeah. There's a reason you stationed them there, right? Fair. That is the only reason I can think of is that they legitimately thought the XU was going to attack the tower, so they deployed them to an, in order to stop it from doing that. Okay. That at least makes a bit more sense than it's like, uh, you what? know, oh no, they're going to find our secret uh, hidden forces. I don't Better know, maybe. deploy those. I was like, I don't know, maybe don't deploy them. I mean, they never actually said anything like deploy them or, you know, they're going to find out we should use those. 
because they're going to destroy the tower. That's just me trying to take a guess because that's the only reason I can think of as to why you would use. No, it and that, that like situation. that actually does make sense, and I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, so that's how I assume it is. So one of them was like, hey, "We got reports that's the Human Reform League or the Union, but none of our intelligence agencies can actually dig up anything credible." But if you think about it. They're the only people who could possibly create a mobile suit this advanced. Or Lacus Klein and her shadow government. <laughs> That's in a different continuity. <laughs> That's in the cosmic era. Did the cosmic era occur before or after this? I think it's Well, this is still Amino Domini. So yeah, has to be, right? So anyway, this guy in the background that Tyler pointed out has a very long nose until we zoom in on him. Like, the issue is is that his it's, nose is droopy. Yeah, it's a floppy nose. It's floppy, thank you. <laughs> He's got, like, Squidward's nose. And the... <laughs> He's not oh, I wrong. Him, I want him to sound like Squidward now, and he doesn't, and that's sad. But when you zoom in, it just... He's got a big nose. Like, not ridiculously huge, just like, you know, Gavin Free huge. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> he, he looks like a normal human in this picture, as yes. opposed to a caricature of a human. And then... I can't do a Squidward. I was going to do Zoidberg, and I can't do Zoidberg eager, but it's not Squidward. Um, SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the fact that the armed organization calling itself Celestial Being has a mobile suit superior to our enact. Mobile suit Gundam. <laughs> Cut to the United States President's office, which has gotten fancy in 300 years. Yeah, the White House is bitching now. <laughs> uh, so they actually had to move it. This is like the beige house. Well, um. <laughs> eventually, someone our age became president and could not deal with the internet speeds. And was like, <laughs> well, I mean, so honestly, this looks like it they looks took the White House and or, just raised it. Yeah, and they just either <laughs> built a tower underneath it. So the president's like, the eradication of war through force. David, it sounds like they're trying to take our jobs. (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, this, I don't know why it popped into my head just now, but uh, this made me start thinking about Metal Wolf Chaos. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, American president and mechs. So now I want this president to jump into a mech (laughs) to defend his country. He will not. You know know who this guy reminds me of? He's like generic brand Bill Clinton. Yeah, it looks to me like Clinton and Trump did the fusion dance. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing that. I, I'm seeing like old <laughs> cloned Clinton, but I'm not seeing uh, I'm not seeing the fusion dance. It's the jowls. His assistant, who in the dub is voiced by the same guy as DeRundle, is like, do you think they could be serious? And the president goes, the reason we intervene in our wars of other nations is to ensure the, is to ensure the safety and prosperity of our citizens. It's not for charity. We'll know what their motives are soon enough, and then we can judge them. That's the favorite thing for Americans to do. (laughs) Judge other people. Anyway, economy. I'm a president, so I have to say it. Cut to... Not Sunrise Island, but an island. (laughs) Are you sure it's not Sunrise Island? It's showing up later. (laughs) Well, we've got some things releasing all of the fairies. Yeah, I was going to say, you can see the particles from the aerial shot uh, as we zoom in on the island. I presume this is to mask their presence. I'm pretty sure that's the idea, is that it, they block, like, transmissions and whatnot, so even if somebody were to take, you know, get a look at it, it would be blocked by any kind of electronics. It makes sense, because we've, we've seen that in episode one, where they're like, we were able to get, like, a, a visual, because, like, you know, I can look out the window and see there's a thing over there. Both radar and sub-radar don't work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. It and just, the e-scanner. <laughs> it just looks funny to look at it and be like, what's that giant glowy thing? Well, I have no idea. It's not showing up on radar. It How many bottles like you got? I need some extra lives. <laughs> <laughs> Lock-on walks up and is like, Sutsuna, why are you brooding? We're famous. <laughs> the news in every country is about us. Sutsuna's just sitting on a on the side of an, a river, staring he's, into it. He's like, I'm not broody. I'm just introverted. 
Anyway, most of them don't seem to believe in us. That's why we have fairies. <laughs> and so we get a, a woman's voice coming from the side, and both of the pilots look over, and there's a person standing in the river, and it pans up, and it's the girl from the party being carried by her butler. In full safari cosplay. Except for her butler, who is in, like, a traditional... Yeah, he's in like, the same thing he wore through the party. Yeah. I used to remember the name of the suit, but it's the traditional Chinese suit. Yeah. I can't I remember what it's called. love the fact that she's just being carried through this river by this I, dude. It's so, freaking funny. When I first watched this, I didn't correlate. Okay, so first of all, I want her shoes. Look <laughs> at those. Uh, second of all, I didn't correlate that this is the person from the first episode. So I thought that she was like, I don't know, wheelchair bound or something, and she just had this guy carry her around. Nope. nope. <laughs> this is to tell her she is, in fact, rich enough you should hate her. <laughs> well, to be fair, her hair looks much more green, in, especially in this shot, than it did at, at the party. It was much more black, and she had those Chinese, like, bun covers. Yeah, she was Chun-Li. Yes. She is no longer Chun-Li. She's now Safari-Li. So she's like, anyway, we have to show them Celestial Being is real through our actions. And she's like, second mission time, boys. <laughs> she sounds so happy about it. Okay, so we were talking earlier about how they came up with the word Meister for this. Um, I feel like Gundam boys uh, <laughs> would have been perfectly acceptable. I'm sure that's what she calls them in her diary. <laughs> <laughs> and probably to their faces. So we cut out of there to uh, Graham Aker and Billy on the side of the road in a different truck. This is not the same vehicle they had before. No, this is her tornado hunting truck. <laughs> And Billy is like, hey, don't you have to get back to the military, Graham? They're, They're probably pro panicking. He's like, yeah, but I want to learn about the Gundams. Yeah, but wouldn't that be better serviced at the military? <laughs> wouldn't you be technically AWOL if you don't get back pretty soon? He's got special permissions to do uh, anime character stuff. He's got a status, therefore yeah. he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Anyway, he reminds us that when the Gundam appeared, it cut off all radar communication and electronics, which is something, again, it's very similar to the Manofsky particles in the original Gundam, but I really like this as a reason the Gundams are technologically superior as opposed to like Gundam Wing where they're just invincible. I really like that they have this extra layer. It helps with the story stuff. It honestly makes sense in Gundam Wing that they're like, yeah, they're made of magic metal. <laughs> they're made of this magic metal that makes them next to invincible. It's like, all right, cool. Like, I understand. It makes the fact that there's only five of them able to take on a world seem plausible. I guess it's more that in 1995, that kind of flew. In 2007, when everything is connected and there's security cameras everywhere, this really helps. Yes. No, this is much better. It also lets them disappear and appear seemingly out of thin air. Especially depending on how the communications are disrupted. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if it's like, you know, oh shit, all of our cameras went down. But if it's literally just like, yeah, they don't show up on anything until you get a physical reading. And you can't use your phones in a certain and, yeah. radius. Yeah, and it it is uh, only electronics within a certain distance of them. Because obviously the camera that sh uh, took a picture of Virtue. And apparently there was also one that got a good look at the Exia, too, because we saw that earlier. Yeah. So he's like, anyway, Billy, what was up with that? He's like, I don't know, some sort of magic Gundam particle. Science particles. It's really glowy. Photonic decay. I mean, I do like him basically pointing out that it was like, yeah, the glowy bit isn't actually the important part. That's probably just the That's side, side effect. effect. The, yeah, the side effect of what actually is going on. So anyway, the military comes up in a Jaguar? It's a fancy car. It looks more like a Ferrari. Ferrari, thank you. I don't know cars. I like the fact that you pronounce that Jaguar. That's how, the, <laughs> that's how you say the car. The animal is Jaguar. The car is a Jaguar. <laughs> it's a Jaguar, no matter which one you're looking at. Uh, no, I prefer Jaguar. <laughs> I think Jaguar is the proper pronunciation. Jaguar, right. 
Jaguar. Gundam Double O. <laughs> Double O. I was trying to think of a dumber way to say it, and I just, I could. There was a skit a couple of years ago at the, when the Jaguars played in uh, London where the Brit pronounced it like Jaguar. Like yeah, how, which is how actually Jeremy how they say it. pronouncing yeah. it, uh, and, they, and the American. Uh, oh, was I'm sorry. The, him. the football team is pronounced dead last. <laughs> was like, yeah, pretty much. But it was like Jaguar. <laughs> he got into that. Well, I, this is not nearly as funny as Jeremy's joke, but um, I was gonna say yeah, guars. Um, <laughs> anyway. How many wins do you think they'll get this year? Anyway, uh, I, I'm not an NFL star. I find it difficult to believe they will beat pre- last year's record. I get, they got to beat the Jets, right? If they meet, well, but I don't know depends. if they're on the schedule. They were uh, in a pretty heated race last year. Yeah, I remember. But they got Trey Lance now. Yeah, he's looking fantastic with his five picks. Four Look, with that touchdowns. Thor hair? Well, he is photogenic. <laughs> I don't know if he can play quarterback. So anyway, Graham is like, I think there are more secrets to that unit. I, I think I, I like them. them. And Billy's like, what? He's like, I'm saying I have a crush. It's not just like, I think they're hot. I want to date them. <laughs> and this is where we finally get these guys named. We, we, it is First Lieutenant Graham Aker and Technical Advisor Billy, what was his last Kataragi. name? Kataragi. Kataragi. I thought that Kataragi. said Katagirl at first, and I was very confused. <laughs> I was like, uh... In 300 years, that's going to be a last name. <laughs> M-Swad. <laughs> M-Swad. Turn to base. Amy Katgirlson. <laughs> and Graham's like, message received and understood. See, I, as long as I didn't get the order, I was allowed to play around, Billy, but now I have to go back. I mean, that is kind of like a legitimate thing of like, nobody told me to come back yet. It wasn't my fault that you couldn't catch me. So we What ca- the fuck? Second mission will be- begin at 3300. That's, yep. No, I was having the exact same thought. Space time. I, I missed that the first time around. What does this correspond to? There is a, isn't there a universal uh, time that doesn't go on the 24-hour clock? I know Fantasy Star used it, and I think it is a real time that gets used in some systems, but I don't know anything about it. I would it believe be that possible. exists. Yeah, I want to say it's called Dorvac, but that's the keyboard. <laughs> uh, I'd have to look that one. Uni- that, some universal time? My my phone is really terrible. Posix time runs on second since January 1st, 1970, Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> that seems useless. Uh, unless you want to count how long it's been since. <laughs> g- guess what? That's what all computer clocks use. <laughs> well, that's because humans are dumb and don't foresee things, and that's why we were afraid of Y2K. <laughs> we have to account for leap seconds in it because it did not when we designed it. <laughs> so we cut to the Ptolemaeus in space. Their second mission will begin at 3300. I keep thinking this ship is smaller than it looks. Or like... I think it is like smaller than most space battleships, right? Like I yes. think it's about the size of a naval ship, which yeah, is still pretty big. It's probably I keep looking at, at it as a cruiser. Yeah. I keep looking like at it fighter. thinking it's like a shuttle. Yeah, it oh, looks okay. like, a, like a two-person craft maybe. No, it, it could hold six people because it's two people in okay, the main cockpit okay. and then one in each pod. But then <laughs> but it's in, like, and then I said launch uh, Gundams. And I was like, it's because it's, I've only seen it in space, not next to literally anything. Yeah, yeah, we need a copy of Bl- uh, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand next to it for scale. <laughs> I a banana. A banana. For, yeah, you use a banana for scale. <laughs> we have different internet people with different jokes. Um, but yeah, so I think. The intent is that each one of those pods is a Gundam, like a yeah. maintenance bay. No, it it makes more sense when I actually, like, I think in this one I find, because we get, you know, the half hour launch sequence, <laughs> I actually get to see. Kevin, it's not a half hour. It's 15 minutes. Okay. It's a half a half hour. Anyway, 
Aluya is like, oh man, I don't want to combat test these. Give me a break. But Tiaria is like, we need to know everything about the Gundams for future battles. That just reinforces my initial thought that these were like these recently have been completed. recently finished. Unlike Terminal and the factory, we will see the facilities used to produce these Gundams. Interesting. Sumeragi shows up is like, hey, sorry to push you boys so hard. And Tiari is like, it's not a problem. We well, knew what we were getting into. I, I love into. how the like the crew of the ship have just the white spacesuits, but all the Gundam pilots have color-coded flight suits. <laughs> it's more marketable that way. Also, I think they weren't just talking about the uh, combat test because they. I believe this is, you know... I think it's it, testing going through the atmosphere. Yeah, it's that, yeah. the Atmo drop. Yeah, I think that is what he's referring to. Sumeragi's like, oh, you're no, so tough. And Tiara's like, I never wish to be weak. And she's like, careful, your Wufei is showing. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> and then her line. That's what youth is. This is why being I hate a young dick. Men. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because they actually do say halting the containers. Yeah. So now we get the fifty-minute launch sequence of all the Gundams, and I think episode two is in some ways a good spot for a launch sequence because let's be honest, they got to sell these toys. They got to they got to produce the next forty-eight episodes with money from somewhere. It's just doubling it down because we're getting four launch sequence. Well, it's more of like three because the Dynamis and Exia kind of launch together. Yeah, I guess it feels less like it's padding for time than some of the Gundam Seed ones do because these are supposed to be glory shots of the Gundams to get you familiar with them and be like, oh, that one's cool. That yeah. one's my favorite. But boy, is it not good from a story perspective because it just grinds to a halt. As we see the Curious slowly lower down. And we see the uh, the Ptolemaeus apparently has to switch itself into catapult mode. There is some nice mecha porn of the catapult coming up. And then we cut to not Sunrise Island, where Lock-On and Setsun are for some reason running to their Gundams. Like, they can- <laughs> like Sumeragi was like, yeah, we're going to do this. Also, you guys have to- you boys have to leave now. Curry. <laughs> No, see, the, f- the problem was they like, both really had to use the bathroom, and now and they ran a little bit over time, so I now mean, they're hustling to get back into They're the- teenagers, so that makes total sense of they're like, oh shit, we're on schedule. Actually, uh, Setsuna's, I don't think Lock-On is. Yeah, I feel like Lock-On could be older. Then again, he's in a Japanese cartoon, so he's older, which means he's 17. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I do think you're right. Zach. I think he's in his 20s. No, knowing his backstory, I think you're right. And the way he acts. He's definitely the mature one. And knowing his connection to at least one other character yeah. that we've already seen. I do like that the Gundams have facial recognition. Age. Okay. Do we want to play guess Lock-On's age? I feel like in a all... reasonable world, 28. So in an anime world, 19. Okay. I would have said probably closer to 25. Okay. He is 29. Oh, wow. I win Price is Right style. <laughs> He's like half dead according to anime. <laughs> yeah. We see Lock-On throw his Haro into the little Haro ball, which I do like. Also, going off that uh, facial recognition, uh, probably wouldn't work too well through the visor. I was thinking the same thing, Kevin. But hey, it's 300 years in the future. Maybe their systems are better. Maybe they actually fucking work right. True. Hallelujah has control. (laughs) And so he launches the Kyrios with this, like, trailer on it. Does Lock-On's Haro have a name? I feel this is very important. So the Exia and the Dynamis being on the planet aren't launching out of the uh, Ptolemaeus. They're just like getting up out of containers on the planet. And they start glowing green. Check out our glowy bits. This is how you know we're active. I kind of love how the like the Exia is just like, all right, I'm leaving. And the Dynamis has to clip its sniper rifle on it. Oh, but the big boy hasn't launched yet. The heckin' Chonker Gundam. When you see it in that, like, launch bay, it, it looks like it doesn't fit, or that it's barely going to fit. I think that's intentional, to help with the size of it. 
also like how the virtue seemed to actually like come out of the catapult straight versus the is it the curios yeah uh came out and like immediately started moving in three dimensions like impossibly everybody says their name so you'll remember them which i actually <laughs> do appreciate and this early on, I think that's good. Yeah, it's, no, it's that's totally fine. It's, and naming their Gundams as well, just to reinforce the different names so that you can identify them better. Well, and that's actually how you would do that kind of like group communication thing. You know, it's like all the uh, pilots checking in in uh, Star Wars, you know? Yep. Yeah. Red 5 standing by. Yeah. I, they don't say their names, but. So as we kind of alluded to earlier, the Virtue and the Curios are descending into the atmosphere because they're Gundams. They can do that. Because of their particles. Yeah, they emit a particle shield, uh, which apparently allows them to also ignore approach vectors. I guess that's what you would call it, because they go almost straight into the atmosphere with next to no angle. Cut to a Human Reform League satellite where they are noticing the Gundams going into the atmosphere on the E-sensor, our favorite sensor. And they tell Sergei, whose name we still don't know. And he's surprised that they can enter the atmosphere all by themselves. And he wants to know where they're going. And like, um, so the island of Cyan? Ceylon. The island of Ceylon? Which I'm pretty sure is a real island. It It is. It's where tea comes from. The hell is tea? (laughs) Some tea, specifically. Then we get the eye catch. We get our lack of eye catch. Yeah. But first they're like, sir, as you know, that's in our territory. He's like, well, I don't know what we're going to do from here. Hello, and thank you for listening to the second episode of Gundam Double O with us, also featuring Kevin. This episode was a lot of fun to record, and it does like a lot of world building. Unfortunately, it seems to be a lot of what the show is, is just world building. So, I put my own character development in. I think Billy Katsuragi is secretly Billy Fairbank, Agent 002, one of them. Turns out he's died three times. They're really bad at keeping Double O's alive. Anyway, as usual, a quick plug for our patreon.com slash last podcast if you want to help us out by supporting the show monetarily. Otherwise, you can join our Discord, or hey, just tell someone about the show. Since we're starting Double O, it's a good time to hop on, or, you know, if you know someone that likes Seed, then you can tell them to go listen to the old stuff. I think that's it. Maybe next time I'll do the entire mid-spot in horror voice. That would be terrifying for everyone. Bye! So the Virtue and the Curious made it through the atmosphere just fine. And uh, Alleluia starts talking to his Gundam. Someone's got to do it. It's a rule. Yet somehow he's not the craziest one in the group. <laughs> they join up with Setsuna and Lakan over the ocean. So we get a reaction from the uh, U.S. Pres- president again. And then it's like, oh, they're going after Sri Lanka. Literally everyone seems to be able to track these very easily, considering that they right. can't be seen on radar. I know. It's, it's weird, isn't it? They, they can't be detected via, you know, electronic systems, but everybody seems to know where they're going. I do think some of that is intentional on their part. Maybe they're contacting someone and being like, <laughs> yo, this is where we're going. They could also, like, not be deploying a scrambling field. So then we get, like, a flashback to their briefing over what they're going here to do. Specifically, the fact that there is an ethnic conflict that's been going on here since the 20th century. It never stopped because humans still suck. Race war. Yeah, 400 years later. 300. Yeah, it's only You're at, you are correct. Well, they literally mention also as well. As no, like, what? no, it's the 20th, they say 20th century. We are now in the 24th century, so 400 years. No, but like they We're liter- currently in the 21st century. Well, yeah, you're right. I guess it depends on when in the 20th century. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying later on in the episode, they mention a war that's been going on for 300 years. 
So we cut to Billy Graham, who are giving us more <laughs> exposition about how the Human Reform League has been intervening in the conflict, supposedly for humanitarian reasons. But Graham is like, but it's actually because there are power lines there that connect to the solar tower and they need to protect them it also looks like billy now has a like a teal vest on underneath the jacket which i think also goes really well i'm just you know making, i think i think I'm he's just, just loosened enough that you can see it so now yeah. and graham well, contacts the captain and is like yo change course i want you to fly them closer fly me closer to them so does the fact that he's wearing the same suit imply that this is the same day or i think it's a no it, it's not the same day because we saw them overnight i think i think this it's is just like a day later he in my mind have... it makes sense that he didn't have a change of clothes because he was not expecting to do this so he's like well shit i guess i'm just going over here and that's why you can see his vest is this you know the suits become a little bit more i really love the battle scenes here of just these he- they feel like they're heavyweight like not maneuverable not your typical see these feel like battle tech gun. yeah these yeah. feel like battle tech mechs don't they yes they're very chunky and blocky They're not not, moving very quick. No. They're not flying all over the place. So we cut the Cylon where we are getting this battle. I don't have the same affection for Battletech you guys have, but I actually do really like how maneuverable the Gundams are in comparison. Because again, it just helps them feel like they're such a leg up. Yeah. Um, So we get some uh, interpilot snark. And they're like, hey, Setsuna, are you listening to orders? Hey, Setsuna. Setsuna. You there? As Setsuna is... uh, Flashing back to his days as a child soldier being shot at by these very same models. Yeah, well, the forces backed by the Human Reform League have the Tearians, just the ground versions, but the other side just has the old ants. And I actually really like that, too, that we see, like, uh, super outdated tech in the hands of basically partisans. Mm-hmm. So someone is, uh, it's lock on yelling at Setsuna and it's like, Setsuna just, Gundam! What are you talking about? And then, then I <laughs> am a Gundam. And then he's like, I am Gundam. And Lock-On's in a meteor rush. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which I love. And everyone's like, they, he's your problem, you're Lock-On. Curious. Like, you can babysit him. Setsuna immediately breaks off and jits forward. And Alleluia and Tiari are immediately like, nose goes, not it. We're going to do our thing. <laughs> Bye, Lock-On. And Lock-On's horror is like, sucks to be you, man. <laughs> yeah, in the English dub, it later goes, sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. <laughs> uh, I, I love his That's horror. a cool shot. The, we on, got the, the reflection of the, on the blade. Yeah, of the, yeah the reflection of the blade. Yeah. This is some really stellar animation work here. I think that's the reason the Exia grew on me is how well it's animated constantly, as it just looks like a ballerina dancing around these things. And I was like, going to say it, figure it, skater because it, really, it, it seems to it literally spins a loop around uh, whatever that one is and, and it, cuts it in half. It really does emphasize that these are a cut above in a league out of you know way out of a league of these units because they're just maneuvering so easily around them. And say, so anyway, Setsuna just, like, starts tearing into them. He just lands on a guy. He DFAs a dude. He's from Clyde and Shade Falcon, so he I, gets a bonus die. I love this spin move he does yeah. where he dodges a punch by spinning back and then goes in for a sword slash. I love the slow motion of it passing through because you can, like, the edges of the cut get orange hot like it's melting through. So then he gets hit by an artillery shot in a series that looks very similar to Gundam Wing. Just He gets hit, and there's a ton of momentum to it, but no damage. And then Lock-On shows up to help him out and take out the artillery support that's been shooting at him. I do not like the line, though, because he blows up five of the mobile suits, uh, the enemy mobile suits, and then says, Locked on and ready to fire. <laughs> well, he says his name ready to, and ready to fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just a Pokemon there for a moment. <laughs> I love how he turns around and is watching Setsuna just slaughter his way through dudes, and he's like, you're getting way too worked up here, man. 
So cut to a human reform league military base, and the Kyrios is over it. The Kyrios also really grew on me, because I just love how it, unlike most mobile suits that transform, it mostly stays in jet mode. And I love this bombing run it does with this missile container, which it then drops. And Alio's like, and now I've become a mass murderer. Anyway, <laughs> I actually do kind of like that as well, because it's, it feels more like it's making heavy and good use of the fact that it can transform. And also its weapon in mobile suit form being like this little beam Uzi is kind of lame. Like, I like it, but it doesn't like it's definitely no buster rifle. I like how when it is in uh, fighter form, you can like it is nestled right there and uh, and you can see where its shield is and its gun. Yeah. Uh, so Tiara continues to overkill some offshore. It, he built a battleship. Battleships. Yeah. He's like, you guys said Shen could sink your battleship. Well, I can do it from way the fuck over here. Does it have any other weapons? It's got big-ass shoulder cannons, too. We've seen that. You can easily describe the Virtue as the overcompensation Gundam. Yep. So the other side is like, yeah, I don't want any... So this, uh, I should say, the the Human Reform League is like, we are done here. Get the fuck out. This is a good call. And Lockin's like, good job, Setsuna. We don't have to chase them. We're done here. But then some guys start chasing them. Yeah, and then the other side's like, we appreciate your assistance. Now we shall pay them back. Ha-ha! Lock on's reaction was, you idiots, god damn it. So Setsuna, like, just standing there as they charge him. I really don't like this scene. I get what they're going for, but I just feel like it has no tension. Because I'm not sure if we're supposed to be rooting for Setsuna to destroy them, or worried he will. Or worried he won't. Yeah. I, I think given Lock on's reaction to being relieved that he does this, I think that, uh... We're supposed to be worried that he might go, like, psycho and do something completely overboard. Yeah, it's just that, in retrospect, I agree, but during the scene, which is slow to build tension, you have no idea what you're supposed to want. I think it's a, uh, like, a PTSD thing of because those were the mobile suits that we've seen attacking him when he was a child soldier. So, because he hadn't attacked one of them yet, so it's like, oh, is he going to lock up and actually be able to deal with these guys? That could be. So after that, we cut to like JNN News Headquarters, and we find out the reporter's name is Kinue, and we find also that Iolia Shenberg guy has been dead for 200 years. Listen, man, Rasputin's got some, uh, <laughs> got some tricks. So we cut to a bunch of reaction shots of some other characters who haven't been here yet. Including Sumeragi, who just has this beer can floating in an amazing thing of animation in front of her. While, while she, she drinks another drink- beer yep. can. <laughs> yes. Well, also, think, while they're all finishing each other's sentences, like, the other first reaction shots all made sense, because it's like, well, you're making, like, independent statements based on what's going on, not literally, we're going to have, like, this is one sentence that we're going to have five people say. It is a bit much. The Sumeragi, when it's got that beer can floating through the air, it's actually, like, there's a beer drops just floating in the air in front of her. The, yeah, like, it's really the, well done. The animation on that shot is just so well done. So we cut back to the Gundam Meisters who are, or I should say the three of them, Alleluia, Tiaria, and Lockon, who are flying and like, hey, did Setsuna die? And Lockon's like, no, he just went ahead. And I decided to let him because I'm a terrible babysitter. <laughs> and we cut to Setsuna. He's like, huh, union ship. It's kind of a out long way out. And we see a flag for the first time, which is kind of jet-like, launch from the union ship and just go straight at him and transform. Hey, it's Graham Aker. It, lo- it, it looks very similar to when uh, Atherin had to get dumped out of the back of one of the Zaft carriers. Yep. Who immediately just crosses swords with Setsuna and be like, Hello, I am Graham Aker. I am obsessed with you. Please take me as your shonen rival. 
<laughs> and that's the end of the episode, which is a much better cliffhanger than I remember Gundam Double having in the first 10 episodes. That actually is a pretty good cliffhanger because it makes you wonder how well is Graham Aker, because this is the first time we've seen Graham Aker actually do anything. And, you know, it's a named character coming into conflict with another named character, also something we haven't gotten yet. And it's a pretty good dynamic action shot. Yeah. All right. So what did we think of the episode? It's really let down by the giant launch sequence in the middle. And I think that's going to be reflected by how much shorter our episode on this is than our episode on the first episode. It's got some outstanding animation. Yes. The Exia stuff in particular is really good. And some of the Kirio stuff as well. I actually like this episode a lot better than the first one. I feel like it does a much better job with exposition. It gave us some plot hooks. I like kind of have a vague sense of the characters' personalities. Still very vague. I feel like it's lacking in momentum, though. It feels really, really episodic to me. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And some of that is exciting. Like, oh, that man, he's been dead for 200 years. The classic horror movie sort of thing. That's kind of exciting. The Graham Acre stuff at the end is exciting. And makes me go like, oh, what's next? But as far as a direction for this series, I still don't have any anchor. Yeah, because most of the fight, while the fight is kind of fun to watch, especially as a Battletech fan, you do kind of run into the problem of it's just a matter of glory shotting the uh, Gundams again, which we already got in episode one. We get to see them be a bit more specialized in this, I guess. Yeah, as, as an episode to sell toys, I think it's quite good. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that. But as far as the characters are concerned, we get a little bit of character sort of revelation in this. But what we get is Tiari is a dick and Setson is crazy. And Aloy well, is crazy. We, we also get kind of a dynamic between the group because Lock-On seems to be kind of like he's the, the guy in charge. He is team dad and kind of default guy in charge. So there's that. But like I said, Setson is nuts. Tiari is a dick. Aloy is also there. Also kind of there and. And like kind of crazy. Himself. I think Alleluia is more working stuff out because like his now I've become a mass murderer. That screams to me like, man, I did that and I need to process it more no. than it screams to me like. I, I like I did, that I, line. I was talking about when he was in reentry, being like, yeah, I know. What we I describe him as crazy because I know his deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is that he's crazy. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a high point, Kevin? It's probably going to be that uh, Excelia. Am I getting the Exia? Exia. Thank you doing that first spin move that it does where it like completely like goes around behind the dude to cut him in half. Yeah, it's very cool. Exia is fun to play in the Gundam versus games. <laughs> Tyler, do you have a high point? I think mine is actually going to be the 200 years thing because that's actually a mildly interesting plot hook. I want to like, is he actually still alive? Because that implies something interesting about technology. Is he a hologram simulation? Like, I don't know. It's a pretty okay plot hook, and like, man, I needed something. Yeah, I really like it too. It's super weird that it comes up in the F plot <laughs> with this character that we've been shown before, but we barely get her name mm-hmm. at this point. But I agree with you. It's very interesting. Zach? I think for this one, especially in the back half of it, I have to say the animation for this particular episode is absolutely on point, and it's, it, it's a cut above even from what we saw last episode. It unfortunately is just that back half on that combat largely attached to the Exia and that shot of Sumeragi's beer can, as weird as that might sound, but they really outdid themselves on those shots, I think. So we're saying Zach's high point is Sumeragi's cans. Gundam Double D. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with the very end with, hi, I'm Graham Aker. I'm obsessed with you. Please fight me, bro. (laughs) I love, what rank does he have that he could just... He's a lieutenant. They said he's a first lieutenant, which 
like he's a first lieutenant how does he get the captain to redirect well unless the fact that he is a first lieutenant in this m squad uh, is like a different set of ranking i'm a member of m squad do you have a low point kevin there's the easy one you can take I, it and I, then we'll have to scramble i will not take it so tyler will <laughs> he probably uh let's see honestly i don't think other than the easy one go take the easy one all right make so, us work it's our podcast you're the guest take the easy one totally fair so it's definitely the uh just the ridiculousness of that launch sequence yeah, I mean, I get it. You got to sell the toys. It's good to reiterate the names of the characters and the mobile suits, but it goes on forever, and you don't need that. I feel like it could have been done a little bit quicker. I'm not saying that, you know, like, don't take time showing off the thing, but there's definitely some things of, like, are you actually padding for time? Like, you could have made this, you know, hey, here's the Curios launching, bam. Here's the Virtue launching, bam, and, like, gotten it out in, like, two minutes rather than, like, 10 yeah for a very early bit of the series you really need momentum and it just kills it yeah tyler do you have a low point really quick i was imagining speeding that up where it's just like this one bam this one bam i'm just like having it set to night core of some sort just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh i see that would be cool if the carriers on the thing just rotated like revolver style to oh. fire the mechs out of the cannon i think that's kind of what they do is oh. that they they revolve into position drop the mech and then the mech is launched yeah off but the ca- off but the if catapult. this was a trigger anime there'd be a bigger mech that pulls a trigger that launches smaller mobile <laughs> yes. suits that's uh, only gurren lagan most of the <laughs> other ones are relatively grounded and gurren lagan came out the same year as Gundam 00. Except for uh, Space Patrol Lulico, where all of the characters can turn into guns. <laughs> Literally all of the characters. Look, if you can be Megatron, you should. Listen, okay, Justice Gun Morphing. Okay, anyway, my low point. Yes. Um, poor Africa and Australia. Just like the entire <laughs> continent of Africa and also Australia, I guess. Just they don't get to have the solar energy. Well... So if we're going, this is 300 years in the future, Australia is probably a charred, barren wasteland because it's been lit on fire so many times. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> it's well, only I mean, spiders. California. Zach, do you have a low point? I think it's got to be the fact that it seems like anytime the Gundams do literally anything, we have to get reaction shots from everybody <laughs> in the freaking cast. And it's not a small cast. Because in this one episode, we went over the three governments at least four times. Yeah, my low point was specifically going to be the presidents, because spoilers, they do not matter. Sergei Smirnov will be our Human Reform League representative. He matters. Graham Aker and Billy Kataragi, they matter. There are characters in the AEU who do not show up in this episode. Who matter? They, they were who I was, or not them, who was, I was thinking the, the leader, the yeah, yeah, world the, leaders as well. That's why I was saying that was going to be mine before you took it. Uh, but them especially, of like the bit about the United States being like, oh, they're trying to take our job, David. That's kind of clever and not bad. But the rest of it is... Well, I the first one, fine. They're yeah. the world leaders giving us their perspective, fine. But when it's like, they're going to they're going to Ceylon, okay. Why do I need to get everybody's reaction on this? I already know they know these guys are, are out there. Just give me the representatives and stick it there. Yeah, uh, since you took that one, which I think is the genuine low point, I'm going to go with that scene at the end with Setsuna where Lockon's like, Setsuna, are you okay? Because again, I don't understand the stakes of that. Am I supposed to be rooting for Setsuna to do something? Am I supposed to be worried Setsuna is going to do something? Or, or isn't going to do something? Yeah. I was actually considering that as my low point, but I defended it slightly, so it felt weird to take it. Also, I mean, Jeremy's always as- playing devil's advocate, so it's not like that's... Uh, <laughs> 
disqualifier for stuff like that. Also, as weird as it sounds, not seeing the Curiosis transformation sequence for oh, the first time it transforms we, is honestly kind of weird. Yeah, we didn't point that out. Uh, the Curios goes behind some trees in jet mode and comes out in mobile suit mode. I will agree with you, for a franchise that loves its stock footage transformation sequences, it is kind of weird. Huh. But I actually really like the shot. I mean, I like I, the shot, but I'm kind of with Kevin here. It's the first time it does the thing that basically makes it special, and we don't We see don't it. see it. I mean, you, every other time there's something that transforms, like a main character's uh, mobile suit, or likewise that transforms, you get a shot of that because it's it's what makes it special. Yeah, doing its special thing. Even if we didn't get like the full transformation sequence, even if we got like a quick version of it, but it's like this is literally the first time it's done the thing. I kind of want to see it do the thing at least once and not happen off screen, as it were. Yeah. All right. What did you think of Gundam Double O, Kevin, having watched two episodes? Seems better than Wing. <laughs> Lobo. Again, yes. I have learned from their uh, mistakes. I have a weird fondness for Wing, but I oh. think that's nostalgia entirely. Yeah, lots of Americas do. Lots of Americas? Lots of Americans do, but it's not good. You know what they say about old Gundam series? They were just weaning it. Say it is okay. G Gundam is amazing. <laughs> Just winning it. Okay, anyway. Uh, any other final thoughts we have on this episode? I like the action in it, but I all, again, I really understand why this series repelled me so many times. Because while the mystery is kind of interesting, I almost feel like there's too much mystery. We don't know anything about Celestial Being. So then adding on, oh, and their leader is 200 years old. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I agree. I like the moment. It just adds more mystery and we have enough already. I love Lock-On's and- Haro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Of uh, they haven't answered any yes. of the mysteries. Like if they, you know, if they answer introduced... a question and ask two more, yeah, that would have been fine. But they just asked four questions, and it's like, well, they asked get... four questions in episode one, and now they're asking <laughs> four more in episode two. Yeah, so that it's just like, are you just going to ask more questions? Because if so, I'll just go watch something else. Do you guys actually have answers? Do you know the answer to this? <laughs> I mean, it's not lost. I have some answers because I've seen this series. And I even remember some of the answers. There are some things where I'm like, you know, I know we get an answer to that. Do not remember what it is. All right. Thank you again for joining us, Kevin, for letting me kidnap you against your will. I mean, you know, I was kind of forced into it, but you can give him his keys back now. It's a Gundam will return in The Changing World. That's the truth.